On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Today is October the 16th and it's the anniversary of the meeting of two famous women in French folklore. Uh, the meeting of one Marie Antoinette with one Madame Guillotine. Uh, this is the anniversary of the death of Marie Antoinette put to death in uh, fairly famous circumstances during the French Revolution. And rarely has someone in history been recalled for so few words, let them eat cake. Although, bookmark that, we will come back to that. Um, her execution shook opinion everywhere, including here in Ireland. But lesser known is the fairly bizarre plot that seemingly existed to help Marie Antoinette in a dramatic escape to County Kerry. So who wanted to bring this social pariah to Ireland? And is there anything to this abiding story in rural parts of the kingdom? Well, Donald Fallon has been uh, just about stuffed the last of his brioche bread into his mouth to come and talk about uh, this whole story. Uh, this is, of all the slots we've done, this is a particularly fascinating one. Um, sadly, throughout history, it's not only rulers who tend to find themselves in trouble after revolutions, because families do too. Absolutely. And, you know, Marie Antoinette, whether she said those words or not, we'll get to later. But she did say, I was a queen and you took away my crown, a wife and you killed my husband a mother and you deprive me of my children my blood alone remains take it but do not make me suffer long we can all agree they're more powerful words than let yeah. them eat cake uh, but less remembered so what do you do when you have a revolution uh, with the ruling family that's always been a question that's faced revolutionaries in many different societies mm. uh, the Bolsheviks ruthlessly and in very haunting circumstances killed the Romanov family uh, in the enclosed space of a cellar room including children uh, historians estimate 70 bullets fired in that process amongst the, the, the bayonets. Vicious. In the French Revolution, a similar question was there. You know, the royal family, mm. uh, led not merely by a king, you know, who went to the guillotine, but a queen too. Yeah. And I suppose Marie Antoinette, in some ways, uh, was the, the collateral damage, you might say, of the fall of, of a monarch in France. We've had a very useful uh, modern day answer to that. What do you do with the, the ruling family after revolution? Because only only reminded recently with the, the death of Queen Elizabeth and then the the, uh, the subsequent rising to power of King Charles, you have all of these deposed European royal families all showing up at the funeral. You have like, oh, the Crown Prince of, of Greece is coming here and you go, wait a minute, does yeah. Greece still have a monarchy? And then you go and look it up, of course. No, of course they don't. But he was showing up because Prince Philip was once a member of the Greek royal family. So you have all these royal families everywhere uh, with no throne to claim. Um, Marie Antoinette has become more than a historical figure, though, because she's, she's sort of become this this embodiment of largesse and lavish living and disregard for the plight of the masses. Yeah, ask yourself, dear listener, you know, what do you picture in your head when you hear the name Marie Antoinette? And it's lavish life, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, she went to the guillotine at the age of 37, and in the course of an interesting life, she'd said a lot. And I think the flamboyance of her character, uh, the freedom of tongue, that's one thing that didn't necessarily endear her to the toiling masses. And if you're wondering, let them eat cake. It doesn't seem she ever uttered those words, but instead it became a kind of part of the folk memory and the mythology of the French Revolution mm. later. And it doesn't really matter what you say in life, to be honest. You know, it matters what people think you said. So yeah. Wellington, uh, for example, you know, I may have been born in a stable, but that doesn't make me a horse. He never said that either. No. But people maintain that he Wellington did. born in Marion Street? Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stable. Not very stable-like accommodation but, has but, to be said. That's the, the, the modern-day Marion Hotel. Words can enter, I suppose, the, the historical memory, whether they were said uh, or not. And I think what's so powerful about those words, let them eat cake, it's the idea of a gluttonous royal you know, who responds to the cries of the people who have no bread by saying simply, let them eat cake. Mm. So it's a way of denouncing the powers that be, presenting them as out of touch. But it's actually decades later, I think it's in the 1840s, uh, that it appears in print attributed to the, the, the flashy and free spending Marie Antoinette. But our, our image of her, I was thinking in recent years, 2006, uh, that movie Marie Antoinette, people might remember it, Kirsten Dunst played the role. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it won the Academy Award. And it didn't win the Academy Award for, for Best History because <laughs> it was pretty free and easy with the truth. But it won an Academy Award for Best 
best costume design. And I like to think the real Marie Antoinette would be pretty happy with that. You know, okay, <laughs> yes, yeah. it was playful. It was a bit silly. It was beautifully shot. It was lavish, and it captured the idea rather than okay. Uh, peeling behind uh, the image then of Kirsten Dunstan going back to the real uh, Marie Antoinette uh, at the time of her imprisonment and her execution um, fair to say that the entire world is following events in Paris uh, around the storming of the Bastille and everything that follows and the whole world has an opinion about what's going on yeah. and, and Ireland's no different so if we've cleared that kind of that let them be cake mythology out of the way I mean there's a real person here and there's real eyes everywhere watching France with, with great interest and I mean to some Irish eyes the guillotine was this nightmare vision of what was going to come you know standing on College Green forever, looking out from Trinity College, uh, is Edmund Burke. And Edmund Sorry, Burke, I, thought saying, I thought you were about to say that standing on College Green is, is a guillotine, a guillotine <laughs> ready to be used in the next yeah, case of sedition. The, the United Irishman never made it that far <laughs> to a guillotine on College Green. Some of them would have definitely aspired to it. Yeah. But Edmund Burke is there, of course, today, looking out on us from, from inside the railings of, of Trinity College. And he was horrified, I mean, of, of Mary Antoinette's imprisonment and his impending death. He said, the age of chivalry is gone. I mean, that's one way of putting it, isn't it? Wow. A queen in, in captivity. The glory of Europe is extinguished forever. But there were there were other people in Ireland who felt differently. Uh, the Shears brothers, John and Henry Shears, like Edmund Burke, they'd gone to Trinity College. They were educated lawyers. Mm. They later became prominent United Irishmen. Mm. They were swept up by the feeling of the time. They're actually in Paris. Uh, and famously, one brother would actually dip his handkerchief in the blood of the king, which oh, is wow. extraordinary. I mean, they watched that spectacle. So the death of the king, later queen, these were really widely reported things in Ireland. And I mean, there was an obsession in Ireland with the events in France and with the the war of words that was coming out of it you know, mm. between Burke and Payne. So feeling in Ireland was you know pretty complex. I mean, the country wasn't just divided into two camps, pro-French revolution, anti-French revolution. I think France meant different things to different people here. And to some people... Yeah, France was becoming the cradle of this new republicanism. Mm. Uh, but to others, I think there was a feeling that something was being lost in France. Um, because France, for all the problems that many French people had with it, clearly, um, it had been something of a bastion for some Irishmen. And there was a lot of people that were fairly comfortable with the regime as it was. Yeah, I mean, one of the odd things about, about revolu- pre-revolutionary France is that it was a, a, an open door for Catholics, Irish Catholics, which was oh, a strange yeah. thing. So you take Daniel O'Connell, for example. You know, We know that Daniel O'Connell's a barrister, but how is he a barrister if Catholics can't study the law in Ireland? He studied the law in France, and that's oh, wow. just one famous example. And if you if you were an Irish Catholic family who'd somehow clung on to wealth and influence mm. despite anti-Catholic legislation in Ireland, France was you know a place where where many more doors yeah. were open. God, I so, say that was some that was some commute from Caer Daniel because they used to say <laughs> yeah. that it used to take him four and a half days to get from from Derry Nan to to the House of Commons in Westminster to to do his his job there. So Jason must have been some commute to Paris. <laughs> There, but, unreal. So we have this strange history of, of kind of Irish Catholics, middle class, strange as that sounds, pre-emancipation, mm. whatever little middle class there was in, in Irish Catholicism going to France. So Kerry is a big part of this story and, and a visitor to Dingle, beautiful Dingle around Dangan, yeah. may notice on the main street there's a plaque uh, and I remember seeing it years ago and I stopped it, wow, uh, erected by the Dingle Historical Society and it says, Dingle and Marie Antoinette in the early period of the French Revolution, James... Uh, Louis Rice, an Irish officer in the in the Habsburg Imperial Service, organised an escape for Queen Marie Antoinette from Paris to this house, mm. his family home in Dingle. The Queen, however, refused to leave the King and children. 
And in a story that proves there's an wow. Irish dimension to yeah. absolutely every tale, uh, this holds up. You know, there is a great what if of French history to be found on that Dingle House wall. Now, the, when I saw this in your notes, I was like, this is going to be like that one on O'Connell Bridge where some mischievous Trinity students installed a plaque to commemorate <laughs> the loss of a priest who'd never existed, that this was just some sort of invented thing. But this isn't This isn't just kind of folklore. This isn't some outlandish claim. This is something that has a compelling case that some local historians have, have done some Yeah, thinking. and you know, like the French Revolution has been 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 studied inside out by political historians. But what makes this slot, you know, every week we try and find an Irish dimension to a story. Mm. We're often going to those, you know, that other species of historian, that very hardworking local historian yeah. who studies an area in great detail. And one of them, Pat Nelligan, uh, produced the history of this family, the Rice family mentioned upon that memorial. And it's all true. You know, a family of amazing adventurers, Norman by origin, Catholic. Uh, naturally, after the Battle of the Boyne, you know, they... Uh, hit the road mm, <laughs> yeah, as you do, yeah. do. And, uh, and had a significant impact on, on, on Austria so what does this have to do with Marie Antoinette you might be wondering well she may have the honour of being the most misquoted woman in French history but she's actually born in 1755 in a palace in Vienna okay. Austria so this is where this, I actually didn't know that she yeah, was Austrian no, nor okay. did I so this is where this you know intersection if you will of a, a Dingle family and Marie Antoinette comes from yeah. and James Rice in Austria a veteran of its armed forces yeah. he's not some random Irishman who hatches a daring plan to bring yeah. Marie Antoinette to Ireland there's a lot going on at the heart of, of why he comes up with so this so like you say then on that plaque that he was a, uh, an Irish officer in the Habsburg Imperial Service because he had some connection to, to Vienna and therefore some some seeming emotive link uh, to Marie Antoinette. Fascinating. Um, what's uncovered then by research um, is that there is this actual plot and that it does involve quite a few people with this ambition of trying to smuggle Antoinette out of France. Yeah, the journalist Donald Lynch wrote that he, he ensured financing for the grand conspiracy and was joined in the plot by a small group of Irish friends. He bribed the editor of a radical French newspaper to become involved. <laughs> the plan was that the Queen would be brought yeah, from sorry, Paris. N- n- newspaper editor, subject to bribery. <laughs> never, never. <laughs> Journalism. <laughs> Journalism. An upstanding trade. Be, being she, besmirched by this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. flee from Paris by horse-drawn carriage and from there she would be spirited by ship under cover of darkness to the coast of Kerry much like the smuggled French wine had arrived okay. all the decades before. This is basically Rice Ro- Roger Casement basically rewind a century basically. Extraordinary. Yeah. Absolutely extraordinary. And of course we know it came not to be and you know it would have been an opportunity for Kate had she managed to make it but <laughs> Marie Antoinette refused to leave Paris without her husband perhaps missing a chance at, at exile in Kerry. But what is interesting is there had been and a wire later attempted, uh, attempted escape. So the summer of 1791, uh, the family attempt to flee. Uh, they have the intention of instigating had a counter-revolution amongst loyal troops and they're recognised and arrested. And that probably sends, you know, that's probably a lesson there mm. that, you know, not to attempt fleeing together. There was such a recognisable collective yeah. entity yeah. but this chance that Marie Antoinette may have had to go alone and that she didn't take it's an extraordinary yeah, moment in so maybe if Marie were to come first that she'd have Louis then coming under escape and managing to be reunified in Dingle uh, somewhere <laughs> if, years hence which, which all, all does kind of leave us then with, with a great and fascinating question which would be you know what if yeah and I mean look what could have been I mean she died in 1792 so you know mm-hmm. it's probably worth reminding people Ireland had its own attempted revolution not yeah. long after that it's six years very later very much influenced by the same yeah yeah, and one wonders how you know the year of the French so called uh, as the Irish came to Christen 1798 when French soldiers literally invaded the coast of Ireland you know how would that have gone for Marie Antoinette on Irish soil probably not particularly well mm. that was a violent brutal summer uh, but the difference of course here was that by the end of it most of the violence unlike in France 
uh, was inflicted on the revolutionaries uh, and not by them. Uh, speaking of hardworking local historians, uh, it's 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 ten weeks to Christmas, so you might as well plug your latest home. Go on. Three castles burning: a history of Dublin in twelve streets, the big streets uh, and and the little streets. So and it's out now. And if you've already consumed that one and you're looking for some other alternative <laughs> Christmas gifts, Donald Fallon has a whole library of other works into his name, including the Camir to Me books and Henrietta Street from Tenement to Suburbia, which I think is, is one of the 12 streets, isn't it? So it is a little bit of overlap for fans <laughs> of the Fallon chronology. Uh, Donald Fallon is also the presenter of the Three Castles Burning podcast about the history of our capital city, which you'll find anywhere you get your audio online. On the record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.